Good afternoon, evening, morning, dawn, dusk, whatever day, whatever time it is. Welcome back to the Sons of Saturday. I'm joined by Grayson Wimbish in Los Angeles, Billy Ray Mitchell in Buckhead, Atlanta, and myself, Patrick Finn, coming at you live from the Boston neighborhood of Arlington. Boston? How, Boston, yeah. Oh, with an L. You snuck an L in there. Okay, 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 okay. Everyone says it. We're all back together for the first time in a very long time. If you've uh, if you've been keeping up with the SOS, uh, the last three weeks we've had some guest interviews, so it's been a little bit different. Um, we had Mr. Oscar Bradburn on, and then we had Mr. John Yetzi on, and then we had Mateus Sis from Two Four Seven on. So it's been a uh, it's been a whirlwind of a of the last couple weeks, but uh, we are happy to be back together. Doing the normal spiel, you know, reviewing some hokey sports and answering some of you guys' questions. Talking about those three interviews, just a, a quick plug before we get into it here. If you have a ideal hokey, desired hokey that you want to interview or you want to hear from and you want the Suns to interview, let us know. Tweet at us and uh, let us know who you want us to bring on the Suns of Saturday because uh, these last three weeks have been terrific. Thanks so much to our guests. And uh, yeah. But Bill, Gray, how are we doing, guys? I'm doing absolutely fantastic. We have some huge news uh, developing on the West Coast. We had received some comments saying even as much as Grayson sounded drunk. So Grayson, not wanting people to think that he's drunk, went out and got himself a new Yeti microphone, the same that I have. Grayson, let me hear those beautiful, beautiful voice chords over the microphone right now, please. If uh, all I'm gonna say is I I don't know how many times I could try this I've I've gone through like three microphones now and if this is not the best one then guys I don't know I don't know what I have to do to to sound to sound good but uh, first off let me let me put out there Daniel Lundberg who is with my parents right now down in the Cayman Islands jealous by the way um, I was not drunk on that episode I. I I guess the audio was distorted or whatever, and it made me – even I was listening to it, and all I could think was, holy crap, they're right. I sound a little bit inebriated. I wish you so. could hear yourself right now, Grayson. You sound like the sound, the first time I ever listened to The Sound of Music with my parents on the couch in the Mitchell household. You sound absolutely fantastic. Well, you know what? I think that is – I think that's great, Bill. And I'm 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 so <laughs> I'm so excited about this microphone. I actually really am. I mean, this thing is a a behemoth. Bill and I, like like Bill said, we have the exact same one. I I don't think I've ever felt more professional than I do right now. We've come a long way from recording with just headphones. So Unreal. I'm uh, I'm ants. I'm stoked. <laughs> um, Grayson, we didn't get to talk about this. I was able to go over to your neck of the woods. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, since we have had so many guests, we never got to talk about it. Uh, it was an absolute blast seeing you in LA, my friend. It was for for those uh, who haven't heard or or didn't hear. Bill did come out to LA to visit me for a weekend, and we had an absolute ball of a time. I know Bill is a northeastern boy, so it was a it was quite the treat to see him out on the wild wild west coast. Um, it was very sad. Bill was actually in L.A. the day that Kobe Bryant passed away uh, and his daughter and the, and the seven others on board the helicopter. So that kind of shook up the trip. Um, that was we woke up Sunday morning while Bill was in town after taking him to Jocks or Dailies. And we went to the comedy store. Bill Burr. Bill Burr. Bill Burr made a surprise appearance on a lighter note. Mm-hmm. Um, we we filmed a merch commercial, mm-hmm. a little a little promo at the Rose Bowl. So I got to see I got to take Bill to the Rose Bowl. By the way, trucker hats that was a long time coming. We're so fired up about that. There's some new T-shirts on the website sunsaturday.com and uh, Beth Barnes women's cut shirts are coming. Uh, we do have those available. We're we're mocking those up right now. Um, so. If you ha- if you haven't bought merch, go over to sunsofsaturday.com, check it check it out. If if you see something that you kind of like or maybe wish was there, let us know. Sons of Saturday podcast at gmail.com or tweet at us, you know, or slide into the DMs, whatever you want to do. Um, so yeah, yeah, very risky. But Bill, 
we had a blast. My, minus the, the, the tragedy uh, that kind of put things into perspective. Mm-hmm. Hug your loved ones. Call your mom. Call your dad. It, it was cool to, to have a good friend out here on a day like that. So, um, But, hey, man, it's, it's so good to be back with you guys. I feel, I feel like we haven't done this in forever. I know it's only been a couple of weeks, boys, but, geez, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. So, Bill... The floor is yours, my friend. Let's uh, let's have you kick it off. The most uh, the most awesome thing that I think happened this entire uh, in the in the last couple couple days, at least, was this hard hat series that Virginia Tech put out. Grayson tweeted the other day saying that he, uh, you know, LSU has kind of been the the stakeholder of just doing awesome fire, incredible stuff. And a few days later, Virginia Tech dropped a nine minute video. Uh, with Hendon Hooker and Quincy Patterson covering a multitude of topics that, um, quite frankly, everybody would have wanted to hear if you knew that the two were sitting down. So I just wanted to kind of we I took it down a couple of na- a couple of main points from that, and we can just kind of go over them uh, as they go. Um, Quincy Patterson and Hendon Hooker both alluded to how social media is poison, and they do see the negative tweets, they do see this, they do see that, and it kind of feeds into that. Um, into that notion that you know kids do look at what you put out there we talked about it with yetzi they talked about it on this fellas i don't know how many times we can tell the general pop they see what you put out there let's just be a little positive remember the kids give them space 18 to 21 years old they alluded on that and i loved hearing quincy talk about um talk about hendon's career overall a lot of people don't know this and kind of just knew of Hendon when he came into the William and Mary game and had that 80 or 90 yard touchdown scamper down the sideline. Um, Hendon definitely did struggle a little bit when he first came in. I remember um, back when I was still around the program a lot. It was uh, he almost had the yips in terms of taking of taking shotgun snaps with the jet motion, and that was something that he had to work through. And he has come a extremely long way, and it was great to listen to Quincy talk about that and. You kind of look at their relationship, and that's what you expect it to be everywhere, but it's not. Um, these are 18, again, 18 to 21 year old kids, and everybody comes in, social media hypes them up, tell them they're the best thing in the world. And it's awesome to see that we have a culture in the locker room and a culture of this team that has kind of enthrusted these two together, made them work on, uh, work on their craft together, take pieces of each other's games that they may not. Um, have in their own bag and learn from the other. So it's been great to listen to them talk about one another. Um, Grayson, what kind of stuck out to you uh, watching that Hard Hat series? I swear, man, it's like they were listening to me. It's like they saw my tweet and they said, hey, we're going to go put something together for a little G-Wim over there real quick. <laughs> First off, shout out to Hokey Vision. Shout out to the, to the media department working uh, with the football program. This is what we want want y'all this is they just gave us everything we could have wanted and i think it's only going to get better with time i think they're going to keep dropping these episodes and uh the, the interviews with the coaches like tier link and tap and the new guys and i mean the quincy and hendon hooker thing like the bill you saw it, pat you saw it, the production value man it's like some it was some espn level stuff the multi-cam the the, the different shots over the shoulders mm-hmm. and the lighting i mean like wit man like dang man how much money you you letting these boys spend on these cameras and tripods and everything i mean it's it's high production value and it's so cool and i was i was talking on twitter lsu was doing it different in media production i mean they are by far using sweat drops as transitions and i'm like dang man how cool would it be to see virginia tech kind of get on that level and i don't know we're we're catching up apparently in Two days' time. Uh, it, it was such a quick turnaround. But I think the main thing that at least the Quincy Patterson and Hendon Hooker interview or face-to-face that you saw, it, it really reminded you, they're just kids, man. Mm-hmm. They're kids. Mm-hmm. Like they, they, see the, they see the social media poison. They see what you tweet. But I think it's also a testament to how mature they are. Uh, they're, they're, they're kids, but they're – grown up and, and they 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 have feelings like everybody else so be careful what you tweet at them 
because uh, because they do see it, but the way that they handle it and the way that they support each other, you know, uh, and and how it seems they have a great bond there, and and people were saying, oh, yeah, Quincy Patterson, he he he's going to transfer. Oh, Hendon's going to transfer, and it's clearly neither of them is going anywhere. So Virginia Tech football department media production team killing it, absolutely killing it. Cannot wait to see what you guys do next, pal. What do you what do you think, man? I'm sure. I'm sure you're loving it just like Bill and I are. Uh, absolutely, especially you know you get nine minutes of solid content. Every single uh, piece that Hendon and Quincy spoke about was a value add, which I thought was great. But you just get to understand like a just a small snippet into their lives, understanding that they're super classy guys. They're on each other's team, and it was just an awesome interview to see. Yeah, some of the other points that we talked about uh, or that they talked about on this video is Hendon came out and said, quote, the whole team is like a brotherhood, so comfortable being around y'all, keeps my spirits high and and getting to that next level. And and that's something that really resonated with me um, because the biggest struggle that I've had in speaking to some of my former teammates as they enter the workforce or even are in the league is it's just such a cool dynamic and time in your life where... Again, you're within that age age range. You all are kind of learning who you are. And every single day, you're doing something extremely hard and being pushed harder than you've ever been pushed your entire life um, with your best friends every single day over the summertime when nobody's there. And you're going to class and you're learning and figuring everything out and uh, just living in a great town with a great program. And it just <laughs> it everything almost that they said in this video was counter to everything people have been pumping out with the negative locker room vibe or bad chemistry or disconnection. It seemed like this video really kind of brought together how connected these kids are and how great the culture is. Pat, I knew you were going to love this. Quincy Patterson said, quote, Tech is a football school. Did you leap out of your chair when you heard this quote? I, uh, I was doing some work and then I kind of perked up and was like, oh, yeah. It is. There's there's not really a way to uh, to short that. Tech is a football school, and people know tech for football. Basketball and football are two very different things. You are a basketball school if basketball is your only thing. But if football, if you have a good football program and you've won conference championships, then you are going to be a football school over the basketball school. Absolutely. Now, the final point and the one that I have been making for months, the one that uh, Jack Click has been uh, in, the, in, the, in the former player group chat toting for a long time, is they started talking about Cornelson. They started talking about the jet sweeps. The jet sweep commentary was absolutely hilarious. Um, I thought I, I was laughing out loud every time that came up. But they both, Tenon Hooker and Quincy Patterson, we can all agree, have spent more time with Coach Corn than any Twitter head. So they weighed in on Coach Corn. And they said exactly what we've been saying forever. Coach Corn, quote, Coach Corn is trying to put us in the best positions to make plays. Sometimes, I'm paraphrasing, when it doesn't ha- when when the plays don't execute, it's on us, the players. At the end of the day, if you run a perfect play call against the right defense for the call and the play is not executed, you miss a block, somebody doesn't pull, the ball is dropped, a la the slant at Kentucky, I digress. It's you can't really chalk it up to being a coach a coaching problem. If you run the right play versus the right front, sometimes it just doesn't execute. Sometimes you may run the wrong play against the right front. But you to just say the offense is underperforming, therefore the offensive coordinator is horrible at his job, or vice versa, the offense is not performing, therefore it's all on Quincy Patterson or Hendon Hooker. It's a group effort. You absolutely have to realize that um, there's so much more that goes into it than just a play that doesn't work, and then you pick whoever has the ball or whoever called the play, and it's their fault. So um, I'm glad that they addressed that for sure. Um, and then Quincy Patterson weighed in on Coach Fuente. He's not just that dude on the sideline with the hat and the gum. Uh, it's great to hear the players. It seems like, fellas, it seems like at every turn that these players have had an opportunity when they have been asked about their head coach, whether it be by us, whether it be by the athletic department, or whether it be on Twitter – the players have nothing but positive things to say about Coach Fuente. Love to see that and hoping to see the athletic department do. Uh, let the kids talk about these kind of subjects more. Please let the kids talk more. And I think that's definitely going to happen. Pete Moore said it himself. He said, we got more coming. Let's go, baby. Let's see Let's see Dax in front of a camera. It's going to be funny. <laughs> he's, he's just awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've had... 
quite an extensive uh, amount of Hard Hat Series content thrown at us over the last two or so weeks. You know, Initially, it was Meet the Staff, and you had uh, Daryl Tapp and Ryan Smith, as well as um, Coach Ham and Tracy Clays and Bill Tierlink, kind of all coming in as the new guys on campus, um, or most of them. That was awesome, kind of like an intro. And then they did a Black History Month special with uh, Jay Ham and Coach Smith and Coach Tap, which was really cool. And then they did uh, the Girl Dad thing, hashtag Girl Dad, uh, with Coach Fuente uh, mm-hmm. was one of them as well. I'm, I might be missing one of the other uh, hard hat videos, but it's been great. And uh, yeah, hats off, Pete Morris, hats off, PR department, no Hokie Vision. You guys are doing a great job. No pun. Hats Can't wait off. to see what's left. Hats, hats off. No pun. Thank you, Billy. <laughs> we have to talk about somebody who has been just in his hard hat bag the last three weeks, and that is Cam Phillips, XFL Woo! legend in the last three weeks for the Roughnecks. And who is he catching passes from? None other than New Jersey legend from Elizabeth, New Jersey, PJ Walker. Beat out Jabril Peppers for player of the year in the Star Ledger, which I didn't agree with, but... I digress again. P.J. Walker has been absolutely counting on Cam Phillips. I'm going to run through his first three weeks in the XFL. Uh, Week one, four catches, 67 yards, one touchdown. Not too shabby. Week two, eight catches, 63 yards, three touchdowns. More shabby. Week three, eight catches, 194, three touchdowns. Super shabby. Shabby. Cam Phillips has seven touchdowns in three weeks. He's been balling out. Balling out of control. I actually am a huge fan of the XFL. It's been a ton of fun to watch. Fellas, just give me your rundown of the Cam Phillips action and, and the XFL in general. Grayson, we'll go west to east. Buddy is about to get himself an NFL contract. I'm telling you that. Uh, I'm not sure if he wants an NFL contract. I mean, he's a star, man. <laughs> it's so cool to see Cam doing his thing in the XFL. And the XFL boys, <laughs> It's just, it's got Vince McMahon, that WWE flair written all over it. The cameras, the way they do interviews, the rules are cool. Like the kickoff rule is so interesting to me. Mm -hmm. The way that they review plays and was he out of bounds, they show you that. And I mean, they're doing it different. It's, it's, I don't think it would ever, ever come to pass in the NFL or in college football. I just don't, I don't think that it would, you would ever see it happen but to see it happen in this in this new revived, revitalized league is so cool. And the fact that a former Hokie, a product of Coach Corn, by the way, who thrived in Coach Corn's offense, uh, is doing work in the NFL. And I guess my next question is, how do I get a number fourteen Houston Roughnecks jersey uh, <laughs> before that man before that man signs with some NFL team? Um, I, I'm I'm so happy for Cam. I love the hoop earring, looking like Michael Jordan in the early '90s out there. Uh, could not be more more proud of him or happy for him. Uh, so go go get yours, man. Go get yours, Pat. How do, <laughs> how do you feel about how do you feel about number one four or number five? Cam Phillips. I mean, let's face it; he's the best player in XFL history. It's a okay. Fact. It's been three weeks. It's not, been three not weeks. Even commu- not even negotiable. Like every single time you, you go away from the Twitter machine or you go away from uh, ABC or whatever network they're playing it on, Cam Phillips just scored again. Skipper's going off somewhere because Cam Phillips just scored another touchdown. <laughs> I love the XFL. There's you know, there's folks who don't, don't really get it, don't really love it. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Like the on-field interviews, that's just, you know, it's new, it's fun, it's cool. Huge DC Defenders fan. Been a been a lifelong Defenders fan. Um, I think they're undefeated. <laughs> but uh, was watching the Defenders game the other day, and I have to give a shout shout out to a longtime listener, Parker Bartlett, who is on TV. Uh, there was this massive beer snake. It was all the empty cups from the Defenders game, and uh, the Defenders were shutting out the New York Guardians. So huge uh, performance there. But there was this like. I want to say like 45 foot long beer snake. It was all the empty cups stacked up on each other from like the, uh, the South end zone of Audi field and Parker's on TV holding like the top of this beer snake. Go look it up. It is absolutely hilarious, but that's just, you know, something that would go down in the XFL. I don't see that happening in the NFL. I see security coming away and 
you know, disbanding that or detaining the people involved because it's a no fun league. But yeah, love, love, love the XFL, the extreme football league. I love the XFL. I got to tell you what else I love is the WLAX, the Sons of Saturday. They have been absolutely killing it as of late. Beat Elon 14 to 7 on Saturday. Paige Petty from Bernardsville, New, New Jersey. It's Bernardsville. Bernardsville, whatever. Bernardsville, New Jersey. Yeah, it's not in Bernardsville. All right. Bernardsville, New, New Jersey. I, I just care about the NJ. Whatever. We got the NJ. Taylor Ham, pork roll, whichever you'd call it. It is Taylor Ham. Third, third hat trick of the season. Um, super fired up about that. Um, and then we got. Watch a- list. And she's on the watch list for the Twarton Award, Twarton which is Award. essentially the, uh, the Heisman Trophy of men and women's NCAA lacrosse. So uh, keep watching. There you go. The Twarton Watchlist Award. MC McCarthy with her first career goal uh, against Elon as well. Great uh, great contentry from the Women's Lacks uh, Instagram page of a live reaction on the the goal, first goal, jump around, excitement, super sons of excitement, excited about that. And then we have Sons of Saturday t-shirts that are launching this week. They are custom made. They are uh, by request of, of the VT Women's Lacrosse team. So keep doing the your thing. Keep going off. Keep winning games. We're fired up. We can't wait. Um, and yeah, just keep, uh, just keep going crazy. By the way, make sure you get to the spring game early. Virginia Tech Women's Lacrosse plays against Virginia in I believe it is in Lane I think if uh, on Friday we'll iron that out and make sure you have the information before before that weekend but just keep that uh put that on the Rolodex there moving right along to Virginia Tech women's basketball and and, and Grayson we actually talked about coach Brooks coming into the season on an earlier podcast and he has again. I think. I think Virginia Tech Athletics has a direct feed to everything that you say. He has completely answered all of the questions that we have had. Uh, Virginia Tech women's basketball is now sitting at twenty and six, a four-game win streak, including the first ever win against Notre Dame. Tasia Cole is leading the ACC in assists with one hundred and seventy-four. Second place is thirty-nine behind. That's a, that is, that's a lot of assists, Jay. That is a lot of assists. Sons of spreading the sugar, sons of assistery. Just slicing and dicing here with the ball. Put Dar- it on a t-shirt. Sons of assistery. Sons of assistery. <laughs> Dara Mabry and Asia Shepard, second and third in the ACC in three-point field goal percentage. And then we got to talk about EK, the five-star freshman from Summerfield, North Carolina, a five-star recruit rated number 33 in her class. She is second in the ACC in blocks, averaging As almost... As a freshman. Sons of send it to the fifth row, averaging almost... <laughs> averaging 12 and 7 on 55%. Elizabeth Kitley is going alf. She is just dominating, and uh, we're playing UVA right now. It's a, cl- a close game, but VT has put themselves in a very good position uh, to do some damage in the ACC tournament. Uh, I believe they are ranked fourth. Yep, fourth in the ACC right now, um, and hopefully get into the uh, basketball tournament as well. So, fellas, any reactions on the basketball front? Grayson, west to east. West to east, man. It, so we are in quarter four right now. Uh, the, the Lady Hokies are playing – that school in Charlottesville, and it looks like the school in Charlottesville is going to pull this one out. Doesn't matter because the Hokies uh, are they're twenty and six. We have wins over Notre Dame. We have wins over Boston College, and we did beat UVA on January the nineteenth. Yes, we did. Uh, and we also beat UNC on January the fifth. So. Very big wins there. And, Bill, yes, you were correct. On an earlier podcast, I'm not even sure when it was. It was probably one of the first episodes we ever did. I had expressed concerns for Coach Brooks um, in regards to not being able to win ACC games. It mm-hmm. seemed that the Lady Hokies would play their early non-conference games, roll in them. You know, we, we'd win all of them. And then we'd get to the ACC and – maybe win one or two games. And so I was thinking, eh, is Coach Brooks the guy? I don't know. I've met Coach Brooks. 
He's he's a great seems like a great guy. Uh, seems to be very very passionate about his players and and his job. So um, now that we're twenty and six, I think he most certainly is the man for the job. Maybe it just took him a little while to get there. Again, shout out with Babcock. Yeah, you crushed it, man, with the hire. Uh, he seems very very personable. So go go get it, ladies, in the ACC tournament. Go get it. Uh, I'd love to see the Lady Hokies make a uh, WNCAA tournament deep tournament run uh if at all possible so even though even though with the with the uh, incoming l today against uva don't worry about it keep trucking forward we got duke next huge game on thursday february 27th and then right after that we close out the regular season against number five louisville on on sunday march the first at 9 a.m. PST. Ugh. Gonna, gonna have to get my coffee ready for that. Irish one. coffees at Jockster Dailies. Have them yes, tapped up. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out Shannon for taking care of Bill and Sha- I. When we Shannon was great. Huge fan of Shannon. Thank you so much, Shannon. Absolute <laughs> legend. Uh, J- yep, that's right. She's the she's the bartender at Jockster Dailies who hooks it up for the Hokies, and she kept the Irish coffees coming for Bill and I when we watched the BC game on on Saturday a couple of weeks back. So, uh, Pat, anything to add? Four straight twenty win seasons for Kenny Brooks. Mm. That's that's big time. When you look at basketball, it's like okay, twenty wins is kind of like a uh, you know we achieved something this year. We won twenty games. You know that's that's a lot of contests. This women's basketball program was in the doldrums before Coach Brooks came in. So to see this team do so well uh, would be great to see them make the NCAA tournament. And, uh, you know, in an off year for the men's team, would love to see that from a women's team. If we place in the uh, the first four seeds, if we get a one through four seed, pretty sure that a, a sub-regional would be held at Castle Coliseum, which would be unprecedented i don't i don't know too much about women's basketball hokey history but uh seems like that would be the first time in a long time if uh, we had gotten to that stage so super exciting things uh coming out of coach brooks's camp and uh elizabeth kitley man that's incredible not as exciting uh has been the last few games of the mike young era uh we have expected struggles um, it was a pleasant surprise the first half of the year, and it seems that we have hit a little bit of a ceiling here. Um, Got to say, a couple bright spots that have really been a ton of fun to watch. Tyrese Radford's evolution into being one of those guys that just dives for loose balls and, 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 and kind of like a Marcus Smart type. He's really transitioned into being someone who you can give the ball to at the end of the shot clock or, or create an opportunity for himself, which has been incredible to watch um as of late so his kind of maturity over time has been great to watch but uh pat you and i ran some numbers uh here and the big story in the middle of the season was landers nolly's father going on i believe a sports illustrated or one of the local radio shows saying that he was going to go to the league early and again it's not necessarily or not not necessarily it's not my job or anyone here's job to tell a kid what he or she should or shouldn't do but Landers has definitely hit a little bit of a wall. At the beginning of the season, from Game 1 all the way up until the UNC overtime win, Landers was averaging 31 minutes a game. He was shooting 40%, and he was uh, shooting 37% from 3, uh, with almost 3 assists per game and 18 points per game. Since then, what have we got? So since that Carolina overtime thriller, uh, still getting the same amount of minutes, 30 minutes a game. And uh, the biggest drop-off here is three-point percentage. He's shooting 20% from three since that Carolina game. He's averaging 13.8 points a game. He's overall from the field is shooting 32%. Still getting his assists here and there. Um, two a game and 0.5 steals, 0.5 blocks, but definitely have seen him regress from uh, from three shooting from three, and then uh, just overall points per game as well. So 
opponents have figured him out, and there, you know, there's not really necessarily a, a secondary scorer on the team. We've seen a lot of Radford and a lot of Cone, uh, you know, have their shining moments in scoring and spurts. But uh, as far as uh, you know, a comparison from Landers and Ollie's, you know, first three quarters of the season and then the last quarter or so that we've had, it's been uh, nothing short of rough and. Hopefully we can get things uh, get the things going here. But, he, I mean, he only had three points last night against Duke. Um, so very, very quiet as of late from Landers Nolly. Lost seven of the last eight in Mike Youngland. But I think, again, if, if we all take a second and, as Pat likes to say, zoom out, uh, realize that this season has definitely been a success, um, regardless of how the end of the season kind of winds down here. Um, I did say that I was expecting us to... To make the tournament uh, a couple weeks ago, I will call myself out, probably premature there, but um, we, we definitely overachieved. We've laid the foundation. Uh, we have another year of Beattie, um, get him to take some jump shots and some free throws in the offseason. Um, but again, he's shown some great leadership. The team seems to be connected, like playing with one another. It's just we've kind of... Hit a little bit of a uh, hit a little bit of a rough patch here, but um, we're, I expect us to be better in uh, in twenty twenty one. Yeah, I want to talk about the culture of basketball in general. It's been terrific. I mean, Buzz definitely built that foundation there, and seeing a team that you know is very much you know sub five hundred in the ACC, packing Castle. The students are still so into it. You know, they love Coach Young. Coach Young's buying them pizza before the games, and Castle is. Mm-hmm. extremely loud coming through the television on Wednesday night, watching that Miami game, uh, every single bucket that was falling, it was just so loud roaring from castle. So just the, just want to speak to the culture of how, uh, how coach young has really made some believers out of the, uh, the student body and the hooky faithful. Excellent. Shout out, to, shout out to uh chicken wing guy. Shout out to the dude who went viral all over the internet. He was dancing a jig with his pan of chicken wings. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if you guys saw that, but he, he went viral on like Barstool and ESPN. And uh, shout out to that guy. I think he's I think he's friends with uh, Whit Babcock's kid Brett or something like that. So I don't know. Fellas, we're gonna run into um, a little bit of our letters from the lunch pail. Does anybody else have any closing thoughts or closing subject uh, subject matter they like to hit? Yeah, Bill. No, I just wanted to to add one more little thing. Shout out to everybody who's come on and done interviews with us. Shout out to Terrell Smith. Shout out to Austin Gable. Shout out to Desiree Velez. Shout out to Oscar Bradburn. Shout out to John Yetzi. And shout out to Matei Sis. Uh, all, all of those interviews have been so much fun. We've had an absolute blast doing them. They've been some of our most successful episodes. I think the one with John just had some odd 5,000 streams. That's insane. Uh, just to see how far we've come and the people who have helped us grow, all of the names that I just said, thank you guys so much for coming on. We're looking forward to interviewing more people down the line. And like Pat said at the very beginning of the episode, if you guys have somebody that you want us to interview – let us know, and we'll try and make it happen. We got a lot of exciting things coming up. So, yeah, just wanted to throw that out there. I think that that little shout out needed to needed to be addressed. Shout out to those guys. So, L L's from the P. Letter from the lunch mail, boys. Let's get into it, man. Bill, you want to take it away? Richie Gallimore, how exciting would it be if softball went in a big run and hosted a regional in Blacksburg? Eleven and three headed into game versus College of Charleston today. Two of our three losses come from top 15 teams and three W's over top 15 or top 25 teams last week in Clearwater. They've won two games yesterday by a combined score of 25 to 1, 9 to 1, 16 nothing. I'd say it'd be awesome. Uh, we uh, got into some of the other sports um, today that uh, we haven't been addressing as of late. We're going to get into softball and some of the other ones next week. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think it's been really cool to basketball was kind of the first. To do that, I think they were one of the only or the only sport that hosted a – it's not really a regional. It was for the NIT. But it's great to have those neutral – quote-unquote neutral site games at Tech uh, bring that home field advantage into uh, some of these tournaments. So I, th- I think it would be really, really awesome. Uh, Pat, in your time at Tech, did you ever – did they ever host a soccer or a, or a baseball regional at Tech when you were when you were there? Um, I – don't think so. Yeah, I think we missed it. I think we missed it by a year, and we missed the baseball by a year. But it's always awesome to have an opportunity to 
um, to check out games that mean so much in uh, right in Blacksburg. So, um, yeah, that'd be great, Richie. Uh, Grant Watson, huge fan, Grant Watson. We love you over here at the Suns. With our dynamic rushing attack, additions of new running backs, Herbert and Blackshear, and now an experienced offensive line, could you see us rushing for 200 yards a game? For comparison, we averaged around 176 yards per game last year. My answer to this question um, is I'm interested to see how we utilize Blackshear. I'm interested to see how we utilize our new backs. I think we have... um, we're we're not really sure how the offense is going to look yet. I think the offense will be a little bit different now that Hendon gets an entire spring or Burmeister gets a crack at it. Dep- I really need to see how our offense is kind of utilizing the skills and the and the and the folks that are going to be playing. So, um, but I do think that there definitely is room for improvement, and I do think that the offensive line is going to take a huge step forward. I think absolutely yes. Two hundred yards a game uh, could be the floor. And uh, who knows, you know, with with these guys, Herbert Blackshear, King, Gary, Marco Lee, I mean, we have a stable full of backs. And I mean, if last year we were averaging about 175 yards a game, that also is including, you know, those first couple of games that Ryan Willis was a starter and, uh, you know, was throwing 40, 50 times a game. So, yeah, I absolutely think that we can we can really take the lid off this thing with the run game. Another follow-up from Grant Watson. Also, Tyrese Radford is a relentless beast. That is an excellent explanation of Tyrese Radford. How dangerous could he be next year if he keeps developing his jump shot? I think he's going to be really effective. I, I, again, I think it's been incredible to kind of watch his growth as a player over this year. Watch how he is able to become a creator, shooting circus shots that may or may not be legal over the backboard, but unbelievable, just finding ways to, to get the job done. So... Um, I think Tyrese Radford is going to be uh, is already a fan favorite, but is going to be a serious impact player next year. Uh, and Brian Holbrook kind of rolled into the uh, into the question that we answered before. I consider this basketball season a success. I think I speak for all three of us um, when I say that I think this basketball season has been um, considered a success. Any any uh, raise your hand if you have any qualms with that. No hands raised. No, no, no qualms. I will say I think we've exceeded expectations yes. this season. Wacky Wico. How much does our loss to Pitt in wrestling hurt us overall? Hunter Bolin being upset feels like a big shot, honestly. Um, Pat, got any wrestling notes for us? You know, as far as this goes, I don't think it's it's hurting us that much overall. I mean, like... We knew that this was not going to be the year just with Makai Lewis, uh, you know, sitting out the year to train for the Olympics. Um, we have an incredible recruiting class coming in. Uh, I think it's the number three ranked class in the country. And if there's going to be a year that will be a big wrestling year, it's it's not going to be this year. It's going to be next year or the year after. Um, but, but the the foundation that has been built from you know especially you know the last two or so years from the wrestling program is only going to lead to greener pastures and i don't think losing to Pitt or losing nc state last weekend um is going to really hurt us that much in the long in the long um the long haul and then wacky Wiko also says which we kind of answered this please discuss vt's social media push and what content and interviews and discussions that you'd want to see I want to see some more of Justin Hamilton. Mm-hmm. I really like that guy. He is such a great football mind. He just gets it. He can relate to the players. He can relate to uh, all the other coaches and relates to Hokie Nation as a whole. And that's a guy that I really want to see them really kind of just take a deep dive on. Uh, you know, one of the great young minds of college football. What do you guys think? Who do you want to be uh, featured I'd like to. Uh, I'd. I mean, the the go to easy one is I'd love to see uh, a little bit more of Coach Fuente. Um, I'd love to kind of go in and uh, and hear from these young offensive linemen. Yes, I know. Uh, I'm not being a homer here, but uh, just a bunch of young guys that really battled and really uh, got thrusted together. Kristen Darasaw being a leader of that group, and uh, I want to see Tanuda. Tanuda would be, <laughs> would be a great one. A little Fuga would be great. Um, so yeah, you can, and, and even the linebacking crew, listening to Dax talk about, uh, Tisdale and, and, um, learning from, from, from that group would be awesome. And Ashby. So I think that would be cool as well. Grayson, you have any wish lists? Well, I would love to see like a face to face like they did with QP and, 
uh, Hooker with maybe Dax and Ashby mm. or something like that, or even do a face to face with Daryl Tapp and Justin Hamilton. Mm-hmm. And, Cause I mean, those guys played together and now they're on the coaching staff together. I love that. It, literally that would be such an awesome face to face. You get their perspective and a little reminisce on their time as players to where they are now in their career, mm. that face to face needs to happen. Mm-hmm. So, and also I think it would be really cool to, to see a little bit more of what LSU is doing in terms of they show kind of their speed school and they do the really, really cool mashups of all the, the workouts and stuff like that. Keep that content coming. Cause that stuff's sick. The, the media production team, we've gassed them up so much this episode Keep it coming. It rocks. The more content we can see, the more inside looks we can get at the program, the better. So shout out to whoever made the decision to open up the doors a little bit more. Brian Holbrook is Fuente's first 1,000-yard rusher on this roster. Uh, My take on that is we have so many backs that are worthy and and going to receive playing time that I think we're going to have an effective backfield. And I think think it would be more likely to see us average 200 yards a game than to see a singular running back rush for 1,000 yards just because of how much we're going to be rotating our backs, uh, I would assume. Um, So that's how I'd answer that question. And then uh, is Taj Gary being overlooked as a potential contributor? Um, I don't... Uh, I, I'd love to see him play. I, I can't say if he's being overlooked. I, don't, I just don't think that we've gotten a really good look at him at the collegiate level. There were a couple games where we didn't see a lot of King and we didn't see a lot of Gary, and I was like, I'd love to see Taj Gary get some touches here. So um, this spring and along uh, during middle drill and the spring game and leading up to, to the fall, we should uh, get, a, get a decent look of him. Um, I love this question from John Earl. Fellas, I'd love to hear your responses here. What one Power 5 and Group of 5 opponent would you like to see a future series with outside of ones currently on schedule? My answer for Power 5, period, end of story, is there is no reason why we should not play Tennessee or West Virginia every single year. Whether you're alternating every two years or whatever, there's no reason that we shouldn't be playing them. Um, So that's my take on that. Uh, Power 5 opponent, uh, I mean Group of 5 opponent, excuse me, um, I would love to see us again. I'm biased. I would love to see us play Navy uh, or West Point or one of the service academies just for the pageantry of it. I think that would be, uh, I think that would be really awesome. Uh, I would love to go to Annapolis. It's a great town if you've never gone. Go to West Point or go to uh, Colorado Springs. Any one of those three are, are, are great places to go. So um, that's 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 my take on it, Grayson. I've said this many a time, and I stand by it. Um, I want to see. I want to do a home and home with Texas A&M. I want to go to Kyle Field so bad. Uh, I, I just really think, given that they're a public land grant university with a core of cadets, we used to play them back in the Big East days. Definitely want to play Texas A&M. Um, I also really do think another cool home and home series would be us and USC. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the University of Southern California. Um, have the Hokies come out and play in the Coliseum and then have the Trojans come to Lane Stadium. I think that would be an incredible series, mainly because that means a lot of Hokies would come out to L.A. to see it and we'd have a big old time and we'd whip their ass. So that would be a lot of fun. Um, so that's th- those are my, my two dream I guess, matchups that aren't currently on our schedule. I'm going to go with a little bit of a a Big 12 Texas Oklahoma theme. I think it'd be awesome to go to Austin. I think it'd be great to go to Baylor. I think it'd be really cool to go to Texas Tech or A&M. And at the same time, I would love to check out Norman or Stillwater as well. Um, I feel like we, it's been a very long time since we played anyone out of conference from the Big 12. Uh, actually, we played Nebraska in 08 and 09, did a home and home, and that was when they were in the Big 12. Now they're in the Big 10. It's a little different, but uh, I think it'd be really cool to add those uh, those Central U.S. Uh, Big 12 teams to our schedule. As far as G5 goes, Bill, you kind of nailed us with Colorado Springs. I think it'd be cool if we played Air Force. Uh, I actually just did a little vacation out skiing in Colorado a couple weekends ago, and uh, that's an awesome place. Beautiful landscapes cool people, cool culture. Uh, it would probably be Air Force for me. 
Question for you, uh, Pat, from John Cran. Um, we figured I was, we were mulling around who's the best person for this for this question. You know, Grayson's got an older brother. I got a younger brother who's at the Naval Academy and listens to Merrill Haggard. But you, you have an artsy younger sister going to Virginia Tech, and she may have given you the lowdown on this TikTok thing. We growing up, we had Vine, we had Twitter, and there's this new thing called TikTok that the kids are doing nowadays. Um, and John Cran wants to know, literally just TikTok? Question mark. Trey Turner, Quincy. What's going, <laughs> what is this TikTok thing? <laughs> TikTok, what is what is that thing, man? It's it, it's this new app that that you you like record a video and uh, you do a little dance. Oregon softball is very much yes. uh, well versed in the TikTok community. Uh, go give them a follow. But, uh, <laughs> Why, Patrick? So Why? Uh, TikTok. <laughs> There's like, you know, they play some music, you do a little dance, and then you post it. And it's a lot of this time, it's like uh, one of the players on the team and like a couple other guys are doing like this dance. It's honestly it's hilarious. hilarious. It's hilarious. Trey Turner and a group of guys were doing it the other day. I know James Mitchell has done uh, some TikTok stuff. Uh, Keyshawn Artis has posted some TikToks on Twitter. Uh, Quincy had one solo in his bathroom, sticking his tongue out. I was crying laughing. It was hilarious. Um, and then Demetrius Davis entered the fold and said, why aren't you guys talking about mine? Like, have you guys not seen mine? And it's him doing a little dance in his room, and it's awesome. But I got to give a shout-out to the originator of the TikTok from Virginia Tech football, Terrell Smith. The original interviewee on Sons of Saturday, Terrell Smith, the oldest guy in the Virginia Tech football program. A pioneer. Terrell Terrell Smith was posting TikToks before anyone. He was on this wave before anybody else. This guy, old guy, can learn new tricks, and he's teaching all the younger guys these new tricks. (laughs) Oh, man, TikTok's hilarious. New Jersey resident. Renegade. Renegade is the song. It's the Renegade. Renegade. And and it's just it's there's no singing. It's just a guy going, whoa, ah, ah, ah. It's it sounds like the <laughs> intro to a 21 Savage song. Literally, that's what it sounds like. And you have 15-year-old Charlie D'Amelio out here making millions of dollars doing brand deals. TikTok is the new vine. It's where all the new believe me, it's very big where I live. And uh it's 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 quite Quite the growing platform. There are TikTok celebrities now who make a lot of money. And I'm not sure I understand because the last time an app that you make videos on made people famous, it gave us the Paul brothers. And well, yeah, we, we know how, you know they how you feel out. about that. Um, okay. All I'm, all I'm going to say is I have not downloaded TikTok. I probably would enjoy it, but I know it would be another one of those apps that I just spend way too much time on. So You go uh, down the rabbit hole, man. That's how they get you. You just watch video after video after Can't video, and before you know it, three hours has passed. Jeez. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I can't do that. Yeah. Um, the Crab. Question mainly for Billy Schmerder, but also Carsten. 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 What is your preferred time to kick off a game as a player, and what was your weather conditions for a game? We talked uh, – Oscar brought this up about – guys, there's a train coming. Um, but you guys know that already, so whatever. Uh, Oscar brought this up as the one o'clock and noon games typically mean that you have to get up at like at like six thirty in the morning. Uh, you're having breakfast at six thirty in the morning. You have meetings from seven, eight, nine. Uh, so that's certainly not ideal. And then talking to Dax, or in one of Dax's interviews, he said that his favorite time for a game was three thirty because you still have time to go out with the family. You can grab a bite to eat after. So I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with both of them. Uh, noon games the, noon games just sucked. I mean, it's you're getting up early. From a fan perspective, it's not fun either. Um, but three uh, thirty is great. Night games are great just because you're at lane. But night games when you're on the road are just a a, a real real pain because you're not getting home. I remember when we played when we played Tennessee, we didn't leave. Uh, we didn't leave Bristol until probably one thirty, two thirty in the morning, um, and got back to Blacksburg super, super late. Um, so that was a bummer as well. So I'd say three thirty is probably is probably the sweet spot. What about y'all? If, if, when it comes to kickoff, what time are you guys? Uh, you guys about three thirty, three thirty all day, every day. 
It's just, I, it's it's perfect because you you go like guys, the UNC game mm-hmm. was a three was a three thirty kickoff, and it felt like it was a night game because of six overtimes, of course. <laughs> but how fun was that? That you go to the game. You have plenty of time to tailgate. You don't have to wake up too early. The game is over by like 7.30 or 8. And then you have the entire rest of the night to come back and tailgate some more or go to Sharky's and grab a Long Island iced tea. Boom. It's it's just – it's the optimal game time, I think. I love night games. Don't get me wrong. I love night games. But once the game's over, you're so burnt out from screaming and yelling that you don't want to go downtown. But I guess always – the, the consistent motto is win or lose the sun's booze at Sharky's. <laughs> I love that. Put it on a t-shirt. Jacob Bird, favorite dish from your favorite dining halls on campus? Um, I feel like we get this question all the time, but I love answering it, and I have a different answer every time, every time we answer it. So right now, if I was on campus and I wanted something to eat, I loved going to Chick-fil-A at Owens. I absolutely loved going to Chick-fil-A at Owens. But I, right now, would probably love to go for it. I gotta say, the West End London broil with some mashed potatoes, some white bread, and uh, oh, some mushroom gravy. Just And I'd be like, they'd be like, would you like one scoop of mushroom gravy? I'm like, no, nah, just literally drizzle it on the entire plate, please. Um, it was excellent. I loved, uh, loved the mushroom gravy. I loved the London broil. Chicken Parm Day, you know what it is. Chicken Parm. Like that was the Chicken Parm Day at Owens. I lived in Oshag my freshman year, so by by the forces of nature, Owens became my favorite dining hall. And every Wednesday and Friday, every I don't think I ever missed a Chicken Parm Day unless I was like out of town or something. But it was just, it, it gave you something to look forward to. You might be sitting around on a Wednesday or Friday, and you're like, oh wait a minute, it's Chicken Parm Day, gotta go. It was just absolutely delicious, barn on hands down, my favorite dish at any of the dining I halls. have a sorrow uh, um, confession to make. I actually had never attended. Um, I have never been to uh, Chicken Parm Wednesday or Friday. Not one time. <laughs> that is that not is a surprise. That, uh, being an athlete, Bill, I bet you were a big uh, big West End guy. Big West That's End guy. Big, big West End guy. Being over there in Cochrane and Harper, yep. that makes sense. It's on the and I think of the world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're accustomed to where you live. I think that is a huge influence on where you on where you choose to dine on campus. Pat, favorite dining hall and favorite dining dish on campus. Um, I like the fantastic Frank at Owens. That was a uh, was a good sandwich. Owens was my favorite dining hall, and uh, spent a lot of time over at the Owens lunch. Man, a lot of time, a lot of a lot of dining dollars spent at Mister Owens. Okay, all right. I did like the spaghetti they had at West End too. Uh, you're right, West End. I used to get the Rubens all the time. I'd get it with like five cups of the honey mustard, and oh jeez, I, I used to be so fat, dude. It was the best. It was. I loved rubbing out. Sons of Saturday. Sons of Saturday drinking game. Take a drink when Bill mentions how fat he used to be. <laughs> Dude, hey, but Bill, Bill. I, it was the best. I, I'd eat. I'd eat. I, every Sunday, my ritual. It would be. I'd order. I'd order the PK's pizza with five cups of ranch and the shredded uh, boneless wings, and I would just sit on the couch and. Greg would be like, "Wow, that's so fat," and I'd be like, "I've been doing it for the last like, been doing it for the last five weeks. I don't know, you're not used to it yet, but it was it was great. Being fat's awesome. Being fat is awesome, but in 2020, Bill and I are losing 20 pounds. That's so. true, and don't get it What's twisted. I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't fat. I may have been eating 6,000 calories, but I was burning tens. So cut me, cut me some slack, arenas. Um, but then there I stopped go. playing ball. I kept eating the ten and burned zero. So I got morbidly obese. But I digress. <laughs> Um, guys, this episode's been a ton of fun. Got a bad case of the giggles. Uh, shout outs for this week. I, you guys know this. People on the pod don't know this. It's been really tough adjusting to, uh, life in Atlanta. Didn't know a ton of folks that were out here. Um, and Pat, as, as he does, knowing everybody in the entire, uh, global universe, let me know that Taylor Newman and James Lavender moved to Atlanta. I want to welcome you both to Atlanta. Also in Atlanta now is Chris Ulrich and Carlo Tirso. Uh, we were at New Realm, and Mike uh, Santa Maria. we were doing our people soup thing, and he goes, hold on a second. That guy over there, who is that? And they go, oh, what? What's that? 
Yep, that's one of our old trainers. So we linked up with uh, with uh, with Carlo, which was great. Um, and guys, people soup. It's something I've been doing. You just invite a bunch of people from different friend groups to an area that you're at, have them all meet each other, mix and mingle. It's great. Shout out to everyone that has participated in People Soup this month. We got, obviously, Taylor, James, Chris, Carlo, Mike Santa Maria, Carly Settles, SLB, Brooke Malashek, Kennedy Bryan, Hokey, Ben Lungard, Hokey, Amanda McKenzie, Hokey. It has been just great. People Soup, get on the wave, get on the plane or get flown over. Grayson, shout outs. Honestly, I gotta. I mean, I already shouted out everybody who's been buying our merch. You guys rock. Keep buying it. We love everybody. We love the sons and daughters. Uh, shout out to my mom and dad. I'm so jealous that you guys are in the Cayman Islands right now. Thank you for the invite, by the way. Shout out to Daniel and Susan Lundberg, who uh, are with them on that trip. Daniel, very active on Twitter. So Seriously. I hope you. I hope you. Listen to this episode under the palm trees and are drinking daiquiris or something like that. Um, guys, this isn't really a shout-out, but we do want to put this out into the airwaves. This is very, very exciting. So, listen. We have been in talks with the Lyric Theater, and we have a date saved for doing a Sons of Saturday live at the Lyric show. Friday, September 11th, they are holding the date for us. Uh, We want to do a live show in front of a live audience at the Lyric the day before the Penn State game. It would probably be at around 7 p.m. We would have some special guests. It would probably run about an hour, an hour and a half. We would do it exactly the way we do the podcast with a little bit of a live twist. Ooh. Do a Q&A, letters from the lunch pail live at the end. We have been so excited about this. We did the little tweet, put that out into the uh, into the Twitter sphere, kind of garnering interest. There are 477 seats in the Lyric Theater. We'd love to fill every single one of them. So let us know uh, kind of what your thoughts are about that. Um yeah, we'd sell merch. It would just be this whole thing. We're we're absolutely gassed about that. So uh, we have a date. So let us know uh, what you think. And guess what, y'all? Uh, it does cost money to do this. So if you would like to sponsor this event and be a part of this event, email us at sonsofsaturdaypodcast at gmail.com. Every little bit helps. Uh, we would put your company or your brand on a an exclusive T-shirt that we would be giving out that night. Um, so, yeah, let us know. We definitely want to make this happen. We're absolutely psyched about it. Sons of Saturday Live at the Lyric, Friday, September 11th, 2020. Be there. Love that so much. Can't wait for that event. Fired up! Shout out. Fired up! Got to give some shout-outs. Super excited uh, for that event at the Lyric. It's going to be incredible. Big shout-out to the family. Mom, Dad, and Kathleen are coming down to Arlington, Virginia next weekend. It's going to be awesome. We're going to burn it down. Going to go to some nice restaurants. Going to show them the monuments. Welcome to my city. You know, going to walk around. This is the Lincoln Memorial. That's the Washington Monument. The president lives there. It's going to be awesome. Tour guide Pat for the day. Uh, so that'll be fun. And uh, got to shout out my guys from Section 5, uh, the Hokey Club. Hokey Club donor, I guess, what's the, what, what do they call it? The last day to donate for your season tickets for the year uh, is March 31st. So get your ticket donations in. Can't wait to be back in Section 5 this fall. Other than that, uh, we're just going to keep on trucking. Let us know who you want us to interview next because we, we, uh, we'd love to bring on some quality quality folks on the Suns. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We've been having a good time. Uh, thanks for spending the, spending the afternoon, the drive, the commute, or whatever with us. And uh, we will be back in touch soon. Uh, Pat and I are working out a time to get back to Blacksburg. One of us, I think, may be heading down for Pro Day. Uh, we're still working on that as well. Um, so stay tuned, engage on social media, Sons of Sat. And also, as I mentioned earlier, the trucker hats are available and the Sons of Saturday gear is available as well. Shout out to VT Women's La 
Cross. Shout out to you guys. We love you. Have a great week. Bro!